0: Welcome to this modern education podcast that explores learning from the everyday exchange of thoughts and ideas to the theories and practices behind entire systems. Think education is cool? So do we. So we pair two conversations, learn about our guests, then learn from our guests, share your takeaways and come back for more. You're listening to Think Pair Share with me. Audrey Scott. Welcome to Think, Pair, Share, Hodgepod 21, a year end compilation of just a few of the fun and memorable moments from our inaugural year conversations. As we gather around our own tables this holiday, please enjoy this virtual collection of the lovely voices who informed and inspired us this year on this podcast. I am beyond grateful to our listeners, the team at the Institute for Educational Initiatives and the Alliance for Catholic Education, and of course, to my guests, John Schoenig, Chrissy Trinter, Ernest Morell, Neil Boothby, Maria McKenna, Kevin Baxter, Kristen Valentino, Mark Behrens, Luis Fraga, Anna Haskins, Chloe Gibbs, and Mike Macaluso. They have brought joy and hope to us all. So let's jump into it. First, a little mirth and merriment from each guest. Do you remember the first concert you ever went to?
1: So um, the first concert that I went to, um, I'm pretty sure was a Steve Miller band concert.
0: My husband was Prince.
1: The best concert I've ever seen in my entire life. I saw Prince in, I don't know, 2015 or something like that. At at the end of Purple Rain, I shouldn't say at the end, when he started the guitar solo in Purple Rain, I started to get sad because I was like, this is going to end soon. And I just want this song to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I never want to leave here. I just want to be here listening to him do that.
0: Choose your favorite, Star Wars or Star Trek. Oh, gosh, neither. <laughs> Sorry, do I have no, to pick one of those two? <laughs> no, no I think it's great. Every, if, okay, you know what? Here, if I had to pick one, I would do Star Wars only because all of my colleagues like it. But, uh, just, uh, <laughs> but no, I, neither. Thank you. <laughs> I've not just turned off half of the audience. <laughs> They're shutting it off right now. There are a uh, couple. No, in- <laughs> nothing not more delete. to hear here. <laughs> delete. 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 Do you have a favorite childhood book, and why?
2: There's some Dr. Seuss, like Fox and Socks, and mm-hmm. I think what it is is um, it's the memories you associate with the book your mom read it to you over and over again and you know i'll talk about the you know the fire engine books and that sort of thing it's like oh yeah you know you just maybe read them over and over again or kids don't necessarily remember the books but they remember the experiences that they have around them and so they're fun you know we used to do dr seuss and we try to make raps out of dr seuss and do beats off of them and that sort of thing but (laughs) i think it was just fun because you could memorize the words and they were pretty easy and they, they were silly it wasn't like much to the stories um but i was with kwame alexander we were on a panel and we both chose Fox and Sox. And I went before him, he's like, no way. And I guess it's because it's a little bit, it's a little bit hip hop, you know, it's a little fun. And um, so of course I had to give my spiel and then listen to Kwame Alexander just wrap the whole book to the audience and like, well, okay. I need to choose a new book.
0: Name a healthy food you enjoy and an unhealthy food you find hard to resist. <laughs>
2: Well,
3: so my wife, Susan, we, we, we do share cooking responsibilities, but she makes the best salads I've ever had. So I would say a, a salad from Susan would be the, the healthiest. Uh, she does all the organic vegan stuff as well. Um, uh, and on the unhealthy side, I, one of my remaining vices are Lay's potato chips. Uh, even when I do 40% reduced salt, I still, I still feel <laughs> guilty when I eat them. If music
0: played every time you entered a room, what would your theme song be? If music played every
4: time, um, The Eye of the Tiger.
0: Ooh, I like that. <laughs>
4: and
1: no one under the age of 40 is going to know what that song is, but that's okay.
0: I was just going to say a throwback, but very <laughs> right. nice. What's a yearbook style superlative you'd give to yourself in high school and your current self?
5: In high school, I would probably say athlete. Yeah, I played multiple sports and I was kind of captain of the sports team. So I think that probably would have been
0: something people would have said. If you're an athlete in sports, I think you're in the right place at Notre Dame. So (laughs)
5: That's right, yes. I did get my doctorate at USC. I know that's a problem for some.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for your time, Kevin. (laughs) Quickest podcast ever. Which of Snow White's Seven Dwarves is your favorite? Oh, man. I
4: think Grumpy is kind of my favorite, honestly. The Grumpy one is so funny, and it's just interesting to see how everybody else reacts to it. I mean, that's a pretty good sign that I'm a psychologist, right? That I'm like interested in what makes the Grumpy character grumpy, but I think he's the funniest.
0: If you had a superhero sidekick, who would it be? <laughs> see, I told you I'd get one that yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Anne. <laughs> Perfect answer. So, Perfect. I was giving you a couple of softballs. That was good. That was good.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite family vacation memory?
5: Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, yes, I was raised in Corpus Christi, and I was working in California at the time. And my mother came to visit us, and she had never been out of the state. And we decided to take a drive from Palo Alto down to San Diego. And um, my two older children, who at that time were about 10 and 12, joined us. It was magnificent to all be together and to see her talk about this once in a lifetime event. And so we went on a boat in Santa Barbara. Uh, we saw the mountains. We saw the water. We went down Highway 101 in California. And I've always hoped that that was a very special trip for her. Hey. She did throw up after we were on the boat in Santa Barbara, but that that passed. So.
0: <laughs> that's neither here nor there okay.
5: we found out that she didn't like um being on moving objects other than a car <laughs> we found that out the hard way for her the hard way
0: peeps or those orange squishy circus peanuts neither <laughs> <laughs> okay good although good orange is my favorite color so i guess if i have to choose one well actually that's yellow is also my favorite color and so then Never mind. I was going to say, I was going to try to answer that, but I can't even do that. Neither. I actually don't really like sweets that much, but I do like the colors of both those orange squishy peanuts and peeps. Good. Good. They both seem kind of happy in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Colors. Yeah, for sure. We'll jump into those fun questions. You may see a continuing theme. Spring or fall? Fall. Orange or black? Orange. Ghosts or goblins? Ghosts. Pumpkin patch or haunted house? Pumpkin patch. Picking apples or bobbing for apples?
4: Oh, picking apples.
0: (laughs) I don't know who bobs for apples these days. Yes, (laughs) that does not
4: sound appealing.
6: Oh, I'm so excited about the fun section. I'm a (laughs) little jealous that Professor Gibbs got the Halloween section, but I'll I'll deal. I'm excited to see what you have on tap for me here.
0: I kind of like the theme idea. We went sort of eclectic instead. Yes, I
6: love eclectic. Oh my goodness, this is great.
0: You were the Notre Dame leprechaun. How did you feel when you first put on the suit? very first time.
6: That's a good question. And I really appreciate that you call it the suit and not the costume because we're particular about that, that it's not a costume. It is a suit. So thank you very much for recognizing that it's a suit. You sort of step out of yourself in that moment and you just kind of recognize that this is something that's, that's larger than you. There's this great scene in the West Wing. I don't remember when it happens, but like President Bartlett. I think it's like his his parish priest comes to visit him from home and like knows him so well and calls him Jab. And he's like, "Is it okay if I call you that?" And he's like, "You know, if you don't mind, call me President Bartlett when we're in the Oval Office. It's not about me. It's just about the office, and it reminds me of the office." And while the <laughs> lever is nowhere near the president of the United States, right? <laughs> it was just one of those things of like, okay, this is something that's bigger than me and beyond me. And I think that was just affirmed over and over at sporting events or visiting, uh, you know, communities and going out and doing service visits, like. Just people that would come up to you because of a Notre Dame connection, not because of a you connection. And just because of their love, their admiration, their joy for Notre Dame and wanting to share that. So just that larger than life feeling, I think. It was not something that I was prepared for when I became a leprechaun, but something that I just sort of very much grew to love as as a regular part of the job.
0: Then we'll wrap up with a reflective roundtable.
1: The last... 20 to 25 years in Catholic education have been challenging. But I think that like the last 10 or so have shown like more bright spots have emerged than at least in my limited experience, like than what I had seen before a great deal of hope for Catholic schools, all sorts of like new educational models developing all sorts of just great teachers and leaders are coming into the sector. There's just a lot to be proud of. Like a lo- there's a lot of, vibrancy.
0: I heard somebody say once people go into teaching because they they want to give and they want to do good. Like people want to help each other. So um, it's just a matter of creating the space to make that happen. I really just take such joy in human flourishing and that's what I see as a teacher's job no matter what subject they teach. That speaks to our Catholic social teaching and our faith of call to community and the dignity of the individual. We really should be thinking about every student in there and how do they feel in this space.
2: We're able to ask more questions now about how kids learn. We're able to talk about terms like disengagement. We have a lot more language to talk about how kids are learning outside of school and that they come to us as learners. Uh, what What are the barriers to motivation? A lack of confidence and a lack of agency. You know, really, if there's something I can do and something that I like, uh, I'm going to be more motivated. So I, I, we're certainly injecting the language of learning in. We've come a long way. I mean, the, the world of education has changed tremendously in the past 30 years. And and part of that, I think, is really just unlocking this uh, unlimited potential inside of them and just seeing what's possible for kids. It, it's 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 really just remarkable. It doesn't get old. What literacy can do, why it's important, the potential of kids, the power of them interacting with stories, the beauty of being able to hear their own voice to contribute to the conversation. Like Walt Whitman says, the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse.
4: But young people have so much to offer. They have so much creativity, so much energy. And so when when people sort of put down younger generations and, oh, they don't know how to work, they're not as good at X, Y, and Z. I stop them over and over again. And I say, you have no idea how these folks are going to transform the world. I'm so fascinated by how relationships can have a major impact and influence for the better on individual lives. I think relationships are among the most meaningful things that individuals have and and care about. And what we know is that when folks are experiencing adversity, one of the best buffers against that adversity is is the relationships that they have. And that parent-child relationship, or as kids get older, a close friend, that peer-best friend relationship, mentors can be really powerful. Relationships are just so central.
0: Part of coming to understand things is also just being aware, you know, coming into awareness. And so I think a lot of the Practice and/or policy, or sort of public part of the—you know—that's a lot of Ps. Um, Part of it is talking about it brings an awareness. What is the role of schooling in society? And oftentimes, they can be centers of community. They can be places for avenues of support and resources that are really beneficial for families. They can be these centers that really do produce educational and social mobility.
5: We have to to do a better job of, and this is within Catholic schools and maybe just within society in general is understanding that we are blessed and broken by our individual unique experience. So why equity is so important in my mind from a leadership perspective is we are at a loss if we don't have diversity of those experiences around the table when we make decisions.
4: The way the mission, both of Notre Dame as an institution and of IEI, feeds into my work is in thinking about how we get to a place of equitable outcomes for children and how we get to a place of human flourishing where children are reaching their fullest potential because of the kinds of services, supports, the structures that we put in place to make that happen.
5: I don't want to leave my children and grandchildren a legacy of conflict. I want to leave them a legacy of Hard decision-making, hard choices, but that is focused on conflict reconciliation, focusing on what it is that we think America can be, and having in focus not just what we are,
3: not just what we've overcome, but what we could be. We're attempting, I think, to do good. Something I've sort of taken from a group of Huguenots in France that ended up taking in many, many Jews when that was illegal and dangerous. And one of the children came back as an adult and asked people that are still there, why did you do that? And they said, well, what else could we have done? This is what was required of us. And that's always stuck with me because I think, you know, I think the Global Center and the work in Haiti and, and our colleagues in the Institute for Educational Initiatives and their ACE programs, these are conspiracies of goodness
6: that's who we're asked to be and who we're called to be is, is just a hopeful people and the anticipation that, that comes with the, with the holiday season. It's just a special time of being even more so thankful and grateful and hopeful. And even when I think about our young people and our students, like there's so much to look to that's inspiring and that's hopeful moving forward.
2: The time is right. We've been waiting and we're ready to go. So let's, let's kind of think big. I know of no people that are smart, talented, committed, and dedicated to faith-based education and teaching kids and, and teaching kids who have been underserved for so long. It's about the mission. It just gives me great hope going into the next year, both for the Institute and ACE and the people in our programs that we can give to work and we're ready to do it. And we're excited to do it. And it's, it's just kind of a joyful moment to be able to have that privilege to do that in our schools.
0: Thank you again for listening and for your support of Think, Pair, Share. Happy Christmas, and we look forward to talking to you in the new year.